So here's my question for you this morning. What are people thinking about these days? What are they talking about? What's on their minds and in their conversation? As you think about these questions, I'm gonna share with you what some others have said about what people are thinking about, what they're talking about, what's the topic of conversation these days. The topics are all over the map. Uh, winter snowstorms is for one. The Winter Olympics, uh, gun violence and school shootings, as you know. Draining the swamp in both Washington and Hollywood. Tensions in North Korea, North Africa and the Middle East. The flu epidemic. Highly charged political rhetoric on both sides of the aisle. And the economy, which is a perennial favorite topic, especially with the stock market at record highs, but with some stomach-turning swings in recent weeks. These are most of the subjects that are on people's minds in conversation these days. People think about them and talk about them and complain about them a lot. So Jim Collins, a researcher, business expert, and author, author of two best-selling books, Built to Last and Good to Great, both books New York Times bestseller books, was posed this question, Mr. Collins, what are people thinking about and talking about and wondering about these days? Now his comments carry great weight in the business community and beyond. And his recent answer to this question, it caught my attention. Let me read for you the response that Jim Collins gave to the question, what are people thinking about these days? Jim Collins' response is this. He said, well, our research company has just finished six years of what we call our turbulence research because of the turbulence of the past six years in the economy, the political arena, and the international community. We are now having to adjust to dealing with a world that is going to be ferocious. That's his word. People are just not practiced at the volatilities, the turbulence, and the uncertainties of a world that will probably define the second half of my life. At which point the interviewer commented, Jim, you, you sound rather pessimistic. And Collins responded by saying, no, no, not pessimistic. The reality is that in it's only in times like these that you get to show your strength. And Collins concluded by saying, I think we need a strong faith in our ability to deal with whatever is thrown at us. That response intrigues me, here's why. Because Jim Collins is not a man of personal faith in Jesus. The Bible is not his absolute authority. And yet I think he unwittingly speaks biblically accurate truth about the days in which we live and how you and I need to live as difference makers with strong faith in these ferocious times. A story is told about an American general who toured the troops not long after D-Day in World War II. And as the troops were liberating France, this general would visit the soldiers and boost their morale and encourage them. And in the process, he listened to what the soldiers had to say. When this general returned to the US, he reported to his superiors and made the following statement. This general said, I could tell how far the troops were from the front lines by what they had been complaining about. Those closest to the raging battle made statements like, we need more ammunition, more heavy artillery, more air support. 
Better communication, better intelligence on enemy troop movement, more tanks, equipment, fuel, supplies. All these months of training, we are ready. This is what we were trained for. I know my platoon has my back. We can win this battle if you give us what we need to fight. Guess what those 300 miles away from the front lines were complaining about? Those well back from the action had these complaints. The coffee is lousy. We're cold and we need some more heat here in our tents. Our cots are hard, we don't have enough blankets. We're bored. The latrines stink, there are rats in our camp, our sergeant is a jerk. We could use some entertainment to break up the monotony. What difference do we make anyway? When will this thing be over so we can get back home? Telling, isn't it? Those in the very heart of the ferocious battle were only concerned with being adequately resourced and equipped for the fight. They knew that they were prepared to win the battle and equipped to make a difference. Their complaints were for more tools and training and information so they could have a greater opportunity to fully engage in the battle. Contrast that with the complaints of those who were a long way from the action. Complaints that centered on personal comfort and convenience and the boredom that comes from not being engaged enough to make any difference at all. You know what I think? I think Jim Collins was right. These are ferocious times. And not because of an erratic stock market or harsh partisan politics or whatever else is going on. I think because the Bible tells us that we're living in turbulent times, ferocious times. Just look what the Bible has to say in 2 Timothy chapter 3, first four verses. It reads this way. But mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Whoa, that's in your Bible, people. It's a rather graphic description of ferocious times, don't you think? And this declaration is nothing new. The Bible has always claimed that those who follow Christ are in a war, a war for the souls of men and women. Ephesians 6.12 says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil. We're continually engaged in a spiritual battle. 1 Peter 5.8 says, your enemy the devil prowls around like a ferocious lion looking for someone to devour. 1 Peter 2.11, Peter urges you and I to fight, to fight against the sinful desires that war against your soul. And 1 Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight. Hold on to your faith, Paul says. Why? Because we're in a war. Yeah, the Bible has always declared that there's a battle raging. Good versus evil, light versus darkness, God's people versus the enemy. And heaven and hell hang in the balance. See, the war is over the souls of men and women. Always has been, always will be. It's the same battle we're engaged in today. It's the battle of the church. It's the battle of this church. Our battle is to help reconnect people to a God that created them and loves them, and it's a war. It's why we do everything we do here at BlackRock. It drives our mission and our ministry and our programs, both here and across the globe. It's the same battle Jesus fights. It's the reason Jesus came to earth, 
ultimately suffer on a cross and win this battle. He won the battle. The resurrected king has conquered the enemy. Why? To redeem the souls of men and women. That's who we worship. I mean, have you thought about this lately? Have you thought about this great cosmic battle? Have you thought about how you can make a difference? Hopefully you have while we're doing this Difference Maker series. But maybe you've not thought about it recently too much. Maybe because you're a long way from the action. Maybe because you're nowhere near the front lines. But I gotta tell you, the battle does still rage. And maybe you're just not feeling the heat of it because you're a long way back from the action. Maybe you've lost sight of the high stakes. Maybe you've gotten comfortable. Maybe you're just bored. The reason really doesn't matter. The only thing that actually matters is that you and I are available to God to make a difference in this great battle for the souls of men and women. I, I know how we can tell. I know how we can tell if you are actively engaged in this battle. Because the question begs to be asked, what are you complaining about? What are you complaining about these days? Are your complaints those of someone engaged in the battle? About complaints for more resources and information, a greater opportunity to be used effectively? Are those your complaints? Or are your complaints more focused on issues of personal comfort, convenience, complaints of low personal satisfaction because you're bored. You're bored with the boredom that comes with lack of significant engagement in the battle. I'll ask the question again. What are you complaining about? It'll tell you a lot. I want you to do a little self-assessment because I want you to figure out do your complaints locate you in the heat of the battle or well back from the front lines. So as you ponder your location in this battle as of today, let me take the balance of time to kind of share some characteristics about frontline people, difference makers. Characteristics of people who allow God to use them to advance the kingdom and who are significant players in helping people get connected to God through Jesus Christ the Savior. I'll remind you that the stakes are sky high. That's why important, it's important we talk about them this morning because heaven and hell literally hang in the balance. Three characteristics of different makers on the front lines. Number one, frontline people are continually trying to upgrade their ammunition, their intelligence, and their communication. See, this that's what different difference makers on the front lines complain about. Give us more resources. Give us additional information. Help us understand how to fight the enemy better. That's what difference makers complain about. It's the complaint of those who are on the front line of a battlefield and on the front line of connecting people to God. Actually, it's the cry of every missionary. Think about it. I need a Bible in their native language. I need to better understand how to apply, apply the truth of God's word to the context of their culture. And I need better communication with others who are trying to make a dent with the gospel to these people. That's the cry of our missionaries. We're gonna hear them in just a couple of weeks at our, at our missions conference. But missionaries are not the only ones on the front lines. What about you? Are you crying out for more and better resources to fight this battle? 
Are you begging for more Bible studies and classes and seminars so you can better handle God's word, the word of truth? Have you taken advantage of like starting point and next chapter and lead and our ownership seminars and our life studies? Are you, are you taking advantage so you can better understand how to utilize the Bible and understand God and communicate it to your friends? You know, are you looking for resources to upgrade your own personal walk with God, your own understanding of scripture? See, that's what difference makers do. They complain about, I want more. I wanna know the word better. I wanna share more effectively with my friends who don't know God yet. Is that the kind of stuff you're complaining about? Because these are the complaints of someone living on the front lines and making a difference for God. It's the complaints of a difference maker. The Apostle Paul, he knew what it was like to live on the front lines. He exhorted believers in Ephesus with these strong words from Ephesians chapter six. Here's what Paul wrote. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so when the ferocious times come, that's my word, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Down in verse 19, Paul continues, pray also for me, Paul says, because I'm on the front lines. Again, those are my words. Paul says, pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me that I'll fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. Those are the words of a difference maker, someone who understands life on the front lines, don't you think? The second characteristic of difference makers is this. Frontline people, they train. They train themselves to be personally sharp. They train to hone their own unique skills and gifts. They train to work out strategy. They train so they can come alongside others and help them develop their full potential. The Apostle Paul puts it this way to young protege Timothy when charging him with the value of training for the spiritual battle. First Timothy chapter four, verse seven and eight. Paul writes to Timothy, Timothy, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Do you know what the Apostle Paul was doing here? He was coming alongside Timothy, a much younger man with passion and potential, who wanted to be a difference maker, but he needed someone older and wiser who would believe in him and pour into him so that he could become the difference maker, the powerful force, the man of God that he was purposed to become. It was especially important to Timothy who grew up in a, in a home where his mom and grandmother had a faith, but no father. No father who could teach him and model to him and transfer the faith to him. That's what the apostle Paul did. See, difference makers like that who engage in the battle, they come alongside someone who needs a little bit of help. They see passion and they see potential in somebody, but they realize that person doesn't have the, the resources to get there unless you come alongside and help them train to be godly. That's what the Apostle Paul was doing. Frontline people train for the, to stay personally sharp and they help others train as well so they can become difference makers. Frontline people own their own spiritual walk. 
They take responsibility and feed themselves spiritually. They, ga- they engage in their own personal study of scripture, in their own prayer walk, in their own personal worship time. If you forget everything else, people, remember this. Read your Bible. Go home and read your Bible. This, this is good, this is a supplement to what you do at home, but you need to read your Bible and talk to God and worship him and let this kind of round out this relationship that you're building with him. Because difference makers do it on their own and they come here to kind of round out and supplement what they're doing personally. So go home and read your Bible and talk to God, worship, and let this be a celebration every week to fill in some of the gaps that you have. Third quality of a frontline person. Those on the front lines of the battle, they've committed to the battle with their very lives. It's become their life's focus, it's their all-consuming passion. The purpose of the battle is not their hobby, not their project, not their spiritual obligation. It's not a compartment of their life, it's their life. See, difference makers recognize this battle is what they're all about. People on the front lines, they've made a commitment. They've made a commitment they're willing to give their lives for. In fact, they understand that laying down one's life is not a distinct possibility, it's actually a strong probability. Here's how the Apostle Paul, facing the strong probability of death in prison, here's what he says to the believers in Philippi, he says this, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, Paul says, now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says, whether I live or die really doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is Christ proclaimed and his kingdom expanded. That's how a difference maker thinks. See, frontline people have committed to the battle with their very lives. They have died to self so they can live for Christ. See, after what Jesus has done for them, by dying on the cross for them, for their salvation, it would be their honor, it would be their privilege to lay down their life for the Savior. That's how a difference maker thinks. That's the mindset of frontline people. Their life is no longer their own. It belongs to God. So the question for you and me this morning is, so what about you? What about me? Do your complaints locate you where the action is on the front lines? Or do they show that you're well back from the battle? Those of us who might be well back, I'm gonna just encourage you to come down here after the service and get some prayer. Because we can pray for you. We can, we can pray strength and courage and engagement because God wants to use you and me. Get some prayer if you recognize your complaints or, or more about your personal comfort and about your boredom and about kind of not much going on. Get some prayer after the service. Because the Savior, the one who has laid down his life for you and me, he's calling out. He's calling out people to be engaged in the battle, people like you and me. He's looking for people who take responsibility for their own walk and are trying to always upgrade their understanding of scripture and their personal walk with God. Jesus is calling out those who are training themselves to be godly and coming alongside others as well to help them become powerful men and women of God. And Jesus is calling out those who have committed to the battle with their very lives to lay it down or to give it away, whatever God wants, doesn't matter, 
to expand the kingdom and help others find the Savior. See, Jesus is calling out you and me to be difference makers, frontline people. So what say you? In these ferocious times, what are you complaining about? Take a look at this video. It's a video of a difference maker in the making. So I grew up in Stratford, Connecticut, and this was back in the 80s before iPads or anything. So most of my time I spent outdoors, skateboarding, playing sports. Uh, one of my favorite things to do was just be outside, and I really was just enjoying life at the time and spending time with my family. One day when I was nine years old, my brother and I, we got home from school just like any other day, uh, and we expected to see my dad there. Um, but we didn't see him, so we looked everywhere throughout the house um, and we called for him and eventually we wound up in the dining room and found that he had had a heart attack and had passed away. My mom was a great woman and she, she worked really hard to try to, to be the best parent that she could be. Um, so she put us in Boy Scouts, she helped us to kind of get introduced to some male role model figures in our life, um, which was a great thing. Um, but then I really just started to feel the effects of not having a father around the time of junior high. I started to lose confidence and I think it was probably had something to do with, um, you know, not having someone to, to talk to, to talk about girls, to learn about life. Um, so I found myself in this place where I was just this insecure kid. So I was determined to change that. I was determined to be a confident, cool person. Uh, so I decided at the end of my freshman year that I was going to transfer and to try to start over at Fairfield Prep. Unfortunately, even though my environment changed, I didn't actually change that much. I was still kind of this loner kid that sat alone at the cafeteria. Uh, but one day that changed when God um, started putting some people into my life. Uh, one day, this kid Dave just randomly walked up to me in the cafeteria, introduced himself and wanted to be my friend. He almost bugged me to be his friend. He would ask me to hang out at his house all the time. So we started to get really close. We developed a relationship. We talked about music, Volkswagens, and all kinds of things. And eventually we talked about God, and he introduced me to his youth group, which was the youth group here at Black Rock Church. So I started going to this youth group. I hung out with Dave Moore. He introduced me to other friends. I had my youth leaders who I started uh, talking to getting to know them but at this point I was really excited about music I told Dave that I wanted to start a Christian band he challenged me on that and said hey do you even know what it means to be a Christian so at that point God started teaching me who he was I learned what the gospel was and I accepted Christ and then at that point I did start my first Christian band it was a Christian punk band called Fish Sticks uh, and we used to play around the area at different teen centers we played a couple times uh, up at Inside Out Soul Festival in New Hampshire. At this point, I was really excited about what God was doing in my life. Um, so I spent a lot of time with him. I spent a lot of time reading my Bible. I used to come to Black Rock Church in the middle of the day to do that. And I also started to grow in my faith in ways that other people recognized and they began to see how God had crafted me for a specific purpose. So this was the time where, where people knew that I played music in this punk band 
Um, but Maria Furlow actually, who was the junior high director at the time, asked me if I could try leading worship on a retreat for the first time. Um, Kevin Butterfield, the guy from Sanctuary, asked if I would play drums in that band. So this was kind of the start of my worship leading career. Um, and some of these people in my life that just saw God working in my life um, just encouraged me in my faith and encouraged me to seek God's true calling on my life. And I really feel like God was growing me in my confidence. I feel like he in many ways filled the void um, that was left for me growing up without a father. So I saw the way that God had changed my life. I saw the way that these people had been used by God to impact me. Um, so this led me and my wife Kate to want to do the same for others. Um, so at this point we were just a young couple. We were volunteers but we wanted to get involved wherever we saw God moving. Uh, so we did mentoring every Monday night. We led youth group on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I led worship at Sanctuary every Sunday. Um, just had an amazing time seeing God work in people's lives through us. And it wasn't us just impacting them, it was God working through us to impact them. And this was all before I was on staff here at Black Rock Church. So now um, we have the opportunity to see God use us in a brand new way. Um, my wife and I, we have three young kids now. Um, and I have the joy of being able to be the father to them um, that in many ways I feel like I didn't have and being able to, you know, point them to God and help them to understand what it means to be confident not in themselves but in God and what he has for their lives. What I learned throughout my life is that it's God who ultimately makes the difference. He's the one that changes hearts. He's the one that changes people's lives. Um, and in my life, I saw the Daves, the Marias, and the Kevins as people who made a difference by ultimately just being available and willing to step out and to point me back to God. And ultimately, God's the one that, that changed my heart and changed my life and made me who I am today. And he continues to work and make a difference in my life. And I'm excited to see how this church can change by just stepping out and pointing people back to him. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.